Welcome to the Global Franchise Podcast, your dedicated guide to each and every industry within the global franchising landscape. I'm Kieran McLoon, Deputy Editor for Global Franchise Magazine. This episode of the Global Franchise Podcast is brought to you by FranchiseReorg.com, powered by Sumer Franchise Consulting and Ackerman, providing consulting and reorganization services to franchisors. With more of the world than ever working from home due to ongoing lockdown measures and safety precautions, we're all probably encountering the problems that come with a lack of space. That could mean space to fit a home office or just somewhere to put the things that we only need once or twice a year. Thankfully, brands like Easy Storage are breathing new life into the self-storage market with highly competitive pricing and scalable franchising models. On this episode, we speak with Tim Schlesinger, CEO and founder of Easy Storage, and Nigel Dawson, the brand's franchise director, about why the pandemic has led to a surge in demand for a convenient solution to storage. Hiya, Tim and Nigel. How are you doing today? Really well, thanks, Karen. Hi, yeah, really good. Good. Um, great to hear. Well, thank you very much for, for joining us on the uh, on the podcast today. Um, if we just kind of get straight into it, um, Tim, obviously you founded the, the Easy Storage brand a couple of years ago now, back in um, 2018 when you launched the first pilot operation. So it's a relatively new concept compared to uh, other brands within the Easy kind of family. Um, could you kind of give us a bit of a retrospective on how Easy Storage came to be and then subsequently how you've grown within the last couple of years? Absolutely. Um, I think it probably helps to go back a little bit um, to my history, as it were. Um, I've been in storage um, and logistics for 30 years now, and um, it's a fabulous space to be in. I was away um, from the UK for a lot of that. I was building up a um, document storage or records management business in Central Eastern Europe. Um, it, we built it to 11 countries and 37 cities um, before selling it. Um, and then when I came back to the UK, I wanted to stay in storage. It's something I know, it's something I love, and it's a, it's a great business model, but didn't want to go into records management. It was a very crowded space. Um, and looking at um, all of the other storage um, sort of businesses, um, the big box storage or self-storage, um, was really interesting to me. And it was interesting in the way that it's been going since the 80s, um, but it had only built to, I mean, under a billion pound um, market, which if you think about it, is quite small um, compared to a lot of other businesses. So I looked at America, we always seem to sort of lag behind America by about five years to see what their market was like. And their business was about 42 billion um, dollars. Um, so really out of sync, I mean, even being that much further ahead. So it got me looking into why that would be. And um, after some market research, and this was in 2017, um, it, I suppose, not surprisingly, came down to price and convenience. So um, it, in basic terms, in the UK, it's what they call an event-driven business. So you would only use it if an event forced you to do it. A um, little bit like emergency plumbing. You know, you'd only use that if you um, if you required it. Whereas in America, it's very much a lifestyle business, um, and because of that, um, their their users use their um, business for for many years rather than many weeks or months. Um, and 
that came about because of price. So it, it's very expensive in the UK um, relative to America. Um, it's um, the average um, monthly bill in the UK is 190 pounds. In in England, in London, it's 360, and that's compared to a 91 dollar average in America. So price was the was was a very much a driver not the only thing convenience and obviously services another thing but price was there so i came about thinking about how we could produce a, a, a better price solution um, and having came up with that i thought we've got to have a brand you know tim's storage wasn't really going to going to work we've got big aspirations to be the go-to brand in the UK, if not in Europe and other parts of the world. So we needed to have a strong brand. And um, to be honest, there's only one brand that really shouted out, and that was Easy, so the Easy family. Um, so I had the opportunity to meet um, Sir Stelios, who's obviously the founder of the Easy brand, and EasyJet is the most famous one of that, and asked him why he hadn't done um Easy storage. Why? Why that wasn't in his stable of brands, and he pointed out that it actually was in the, the brand, but it um, it was only sort of slowly ticking over. There wasn't really a, a functioning um, business, and it had been since about two thousand and five. Um, and he said that no one had come up with the right uh, model that met their brand values. So I explained what our plan was and how that was going to change the, the, the landscape, the market. Um, and it really resonated with him. And he invited me to um, go down and meet him in Monaco, which is where he lives, and to um, sign a deal. So literally a few weeks later, we, um, we bought the worldwide rights to Easy Storage. Um, and really after that, um, it was a case of just building it out. Yeah. And um, one of the main differentiators I saw uh, about Easy Storage compared to some other brands within the space is this whole um, idea of the EasyPod model that allows the um, the workers of Easy Storage to, to provide this seamless, really stress-free end-to-end storage operation. Um, would you be able to kind of give a bit more detail about, for people who may not know, what EasyPod is and kind of how it works, a part of the brand, I suppose? Yes, absolutely. So I think there are two elements within um, storage that come into the, the, the cost. One is the actual storage itself, so the space that you're using. And the second is the collection or the, the, the transportation of the items. So what we did was to look at what could become a modular um, unit um, to be able to be able to maximize the space and we came up with the easy pod and the easy pod can stack on top of each other and it can stack quite um, as far as you, you you like it deep so what we have is in our storage facilities um, we have a basic wastage if you like of about 20 percent of the building whereas if you have a self-storage you know walk-ins um, space it's about 48 percent um, wastage. So immediately you've got a, a saving there of about um, half um, or double, should I say, if you're looking at it the other way um, on that side. And then the second side is getting the items to storage. Um, the alternative for customers is to hire a van or if they've got one themselves to take it there. But that in itself can be a really lengthy and expensive and sort of unknown process. So what we do is we take the storage unit or what we call the easy pod to the customer 
And then we load up that unit on the van and then take it back and forklift it off into our purpose-built facilities. So it it creates an efficiency um, of about um, 30%. So we're we're 60% more efficient, if you like, or twice more efficient than taking it there yourself. So that cost can be passed right on to the customer. Um, I say the cost, the saving. Yeah. And um, Nigel, if we could talk a little more about the the franchising side of the brand. Um, you started signing up franchisees in 2019, so just a year after the initial pilot operation. Um, what do you think kind of drew those early franchisees to a concept that was really only in its infancy? I mean, I think the, you know, when we, when we go back, we ran two pilots in the UK. So it was 2017 where we really first started to put the pieces together. And I think it's worth saying, we spent about eight months at that point really designing what the franchise would look like and what the what the business proposition was. Then we opened two pilots, one in London and one outside of London, to really proof proof of concept to make sure that you know everything that we designed was actually you know we could put that into practice and it was working as we planned. And concurrent with that, we also ran our own operation out of London. So there was a lot of work done ahead of time before we actually then went to the market with the franchise. But by the time we did that. Uh, in 2018, I think we were really clear on what that looked like. And I think, you know, there were a number of things that attracted people. I think, first of all, the brand. I think in franchising, there are lots of great brands out there, but they're very hard to get into because they've been around a long time and, and the opportunities are few and far between. And perhaps those franchises with lots of opportunities may be new or brands that we're not so familiar with. So the idea of coming to the market with a brand that people clearly recognize and felt very comfortable with, you know, a professional brand like Easy, um, coupled with a proposition for storage was really a winning combination. And I think that really, really attracted people. And when we met with, you know, we met a lot of people in, in those in that year. And, um, and one of the things that was really clear was I think people really appreciated the time we put into making sure that we had the right team in place. I mean, without sort of, you know, if I may, without blowing our own trumpet, I think we, we, we've got a very strong leadership team here. I mean, Tim's got over 25 years in storage. I've been in franchising for over 30 years. Our marketing director, uh, he has absolute specialist in his field in terms of um, digital marketing, which is key to this business. Uh, and the team that, that support the business, you know, people like Louise Harris, who joined us to support our franchisees, you know, well, well recognized and well respected. So uh, the whole management team of the business, I think, was really, really strong. I think that appealed to, to people coming on board. And, you know, when you look at those candidates, when you look at people who, who, who are joining franchises, I think I've certainly in my career seen two types of those who want to come into a very established proposition that 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 you know it is what it is and you don't really get to affect much change you just follow the system um but there are a lot of people who are, are quite entrepreneurial who are looking for opportunities where they can really get in at the grassroots and and have some influence and in shaping of that and i think that's where we've really done very well the candidates that, that we've met and the, the franchisees that have joined us are all you know really quite entrepreneurial people who enjoy the challenge of getting involved with a business that although we have a very clearly defined system and a very clear proposition and brand there's still a lot of detail that we're able to consider and look at and and they have a role to play in the shaping of that going forward so they can make their mark on the business too and i think you know that's something we've really enjoyed through our franchise forums and and council meetings that these guys really coming from what well, is quite a diverse background of, of different sectors and skills 
Uh, actually, interestingly, very few of them from storage because that's certainly not not something that's a requirement. But people with you know business skills, marketing skills, accountancy skills, all coming together, really adding value right across the spectrum has been something that's that, that's really good. And you combine that with you know we're in a sector that that generates a massive amount of recurring income. So one of the benefits that we saw you know to the challenging times earlier this year where when we went into lockdown was that. You know, our income continued to generate because the pods were still in storage and, and customers were still paying for that storage. So where some industries were heavily impacted, we actually saw, you know, very little impact from that. And I think also, you know, we're talking about recession now and tough times, economic times ahead. Um, storage is a need business. It's not a lifestyle at the moment, although we have aspirations to perhaps introduce some elements of that. But at the moment, it's very much needs driven. And we're seeing a lot of people, you know, irrespective of, of what's going on, who, who, who need our services, continuing to use those. Uh, in fact, in growing uh, quantities, we're seeing you know, significant growth in that area. So I think for anybody looking at it as a business, strong brand, strong team, uh, the opportunity to affect change and, and influence that and put their mark on it, coupled with a business with recurring revenue that's pretty recession proof is, is quite appealing. Yeah, and from a from an investment perspective, how hands on is the is being an easy storage franchisee? Is it a, always an owner operator kind of model, or can you there be more of a an absent investor sort of approach? I think it's certainly not a man in a van, so we're not looking for people to drive trucks. Um, it's a management franchise. Uh, we expect the sort of base level franchises to have circa around a million turnover uh, when they reach maturity, but the potential to do a lot more than that. Um, and that requires an ability to be able to manage, you know, business both, you know, from the commercial aspects and the operational aspects. So we're looking for people who like to be hands-on, but in a in a sort of more managerial way. Um, we have investor franchisees that have come on board who are multi-site operators and, and operate many other brands that we know well, uh, and and want to diversify out of quick service restaurants. And that's been sort of an area that we've done very well. And also perhaps people in the property sector are looking for some diversification. So it's something that can complement a portfolio. It could be something that's done on its own. But what it does need is, you know, people on the ground. You can't operate this remotely from the other side of the country. Uh, and you can't just sit back and, and let it happen. It needs operational people within the business to, to, to drive the business forward. Yeah. And um and we've spoken quite a lot about the the UK and the US storage markets and you guys are quite established in the UK. Obviously you've got twenty-five locations throughout the UK. Um but what does the brand's international footprint look like? You know, are there any kind of key international market markets you're targeting? Obviously we've said that, you know, the US is a really um a really huge self storage industry, but is that perhaps too saturated to really target? What's the the international footprint look like moving forward for easy storage? Yeah, it's it's an interesting question in the US because I was talking to somebody about that recently, and um, because of course, Easy is a really well known brand across Europe, and anywhere EasyJet fly, you know the brand's well known, but perhaps that isn't the case in the USA. And, and someone said to me, "No, no, no, everybody over there really knows the Easy brand well," which um, which is a surprise. And I think there is an opportunity for for Easy in the in, in America. Um, what that is and when that is, I'm not so sure. I think our, our focus at the moment is very much on the European market um, and we're very keen to, to roll out. Uh, we started work on that really last year to what that looks like. And um, you know, what's exciting for me with the European market is that, I mean, we, we talked about the UK being slightly behind the USA in terms of, of growth. 
but we're seeing you know pretty significant European countries that are behind the UK. Um, so we have an opportunity to almost wind the clock back and and go in at an earlier stage in the market and really make it make a difference. Um, and there's also, I mean, the struggle that a lot of the traditional walking storage businesses are having is finding the right sites to build, you know, very specific types of buildings, whereas the easy storage model isn't restricted by that. We tend to use more traditional warehousing um, uh, because our model's transportable. It's a mobile model that takes the room to the customer, not the customer to the room. So um, that gives us a lot more flexibility in terms of location and where we can go. So. Uh, very keen at the moment. Uh, we're very much looking at the European markets, especially what I think the obvious targets are where the Easy brand is well known, so that EasyJet fly. Um, and we'd be really keen to sort of uh, talk to people who are interested in perhaps replicating what we're doing in the UK in the, in those countries. Yeah, so it's a very exciting times ahead. And as you say, it's for the for those people who maybe are excited to get on at the ground floor of a brand. There's a lot of really great room for growth. Tim, would you be able to give us kind of an idea of uh, how easy storage has been effective, if affected rather, um, if at all, by the coronavirus pandemic, because you're not necessarily a um, consumer-facing brand like you know a retail or a, a food operation, but I imagine you've still had to to make a few changes throughout the course of this year. I think, um, I mean, first of all, I need to say is you know how terrible it is for so many businesses. I mean, I really do feel for businesses that some have been wiped out um, and others have been really seriously thrown off course. Um, storage, and one of the reasons why I, I like storage, is pretty resilient um, to recession and to um, to problems like we have seen with co- um, coronavirus. And that's because you've got the recurring element of the storage revenue. You can dial up and dial down other parts of the business um, to a certain extent. Um, but I think um, in the period that we uh, stopped operations. We we did pause for just over two months. Um, we were very flat, so um, we're growing very quickly at the moment. But for that time, we remained flat. Um, we didn't see a, a, a drop in business. Um, we just didn't see the growth. So I think in the grand scheme of things, and looking at the the larger landscape, um, it was quite remarkable um, what what actually did happen um, on the franchise side of things. Um, I, I'll let Nigel explain. Um, we, we had one that couldn't go forward and the rest have been pushed back a bit. Um, but again, I think um, on a positive note, um, franchisees have seen how great um, the recurring revenue stream is. So I think um, on balance, we have um, got away quite lightly. But as I say to the team, you know, it's not over until it's over. So we can't be complacent on that. We're always looking at um, debt management and and resources and, and all of those things. But yeah. I mean, I think the recruitment has been, um, you know, really encouraging, you know, when we went into that phase, I think, you know, it was an unknown, you know, future in terms of, of how long we'd be closed and, and the impact it would have. But, um, you know, as Tim said, we only really had one candidate unable to proceed. And in fact, with the rest of the pipeline that we were in, in conversation with, it really strengthened their resolve. You know, they were very keen to get into business and, and get operational. Um, the challenge, I think, the only real challenge we've had around that is some of our suppliers, you know, for vehicles and things, some of those trucks come in from, from European countries and have had some delays, which has pushed back some of our openings. So we've got more openings going on towards the latter part of the year than we originally had on plan, um, but uh, but still looking good. 
and and would say for next year as well. I mean, you know, we have a, a rollout plan to to cover the UK by the end of 2022, all areas operational. Uh, and I think we're 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 sort of well ahead of plan, you know, with that for for next year. So it's exciting times. Although we certainly had to change the way of working, I think for you know with the lack of franchise exhibitions and some of the opportunities that we've previously relied on to meet and greet new new candidates, we've had to be a little bit more inventive this year than perhaps we've needed to be in the past. Mm. And uh, I saw one of the the positives that came out of this year. Um, one of the positives that Easy Storage put back into the world was the uh, fresh food for the frontline initiative. That I think you you helmed Tim. Um, could you kind of give us a bit more information about? Um, about what that was and why you felt it was important to to act. It was around March, wasn't it? So around the beginning of COVID-19's ascent in the UK. That's right. I mean, looking back then, I mean, it seems like a different world um, away. Um, we were just, um, our businesses were, had, had record months on record months and we were really in a great space. And then we were closed down um, through um obviously from the social distancing aspect of things. Um, a friend of mine um, who I had known in my Russian days, um, guy, a guy called Mark Hamilford, contacted me saying that he had um, set up a, a charity, Fresh Food for the Frontline, and it was basically to help on two fronts. One was um, to buy produce from local farmers in Gloucestershire, um, which is where he was living, um, and the other was to take that um, produce to frontline workers um, who didn't have time to shop um, and they were just sort of living on pot noodles and, and things like that. Um, and he asked me if if I would help with the logistics and the, the delivery. So together we took the, the um, charity forwards um, and there was a huge momentum um, grew very, very quickly. We got a, a lot of money donated um, by um, franchisees, by the team um, and by customers and sort of very well-wishers. They could really see that it was um, benefiting. What we were doing is we were putting together boxes of fresh fruit, fruit and veg and butter, eggs, milk, the, you know, the basics that would last one person for a week. And then we would take that to hospitals, um, care homes, um, and and vulnerable, um, and we'd you know deliver that right at the, the source. And it was really heart wrenching and heartwarming to see how appreciative people were of that. You know, I, I think back in those early days where you had patients queuing in um, in the lifts and in corridors and whatever. I mean, they really were overwhelmed and they were working um, very, very long shifts. So, and I think food was 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 one of the, the biggest points. So we had a fleet of trucks that um, weren't being used um, and um, drivers. Um, so it was a very easy thing for us to step up to. And I think it was a no brainer. Um, it, it was the right thing to do. Um, and it was something relatively easy to, for us to do. And it was, it was, as I say, very heartwarming to see um, the benefit that it gave. No, it's really great to hear that even when, as you say, you know, the, the business itself maybe wasn't experiencing um, extreme growth due to coronavirus and a lot of lockdowns and shutdowns, that you still were able to have an impact in local communities. Yeah, I think we delivered, we delivered, I think, about three and a half, the equivalent of three and a half thousand weeks worth of 
of food, you know, in a pretty small, I mean, you know, it's in about 12 weeks. Yeah, substantial amount, definitely. Um, the the last thing I wanted to speak with you you both about was just the the future of, uh, of easy storage. Obviously, we've touched upon it slightly, and nobody's too sure what's happening still with coronavirus and how long it'll be around for. But um, currently, there's estimates that by almost the middle of the decade, so 2024, um, the global self storage market is going to be worth almost 50 billion dollars. And I was just curious how you think. Um, easy storage is going to play into that future um, and how you're going to grow sustainably and with the right partners, either within the UK, but also internationally. What does that kind of look like from a, an operational point of view? I think with, with that, I mean, it's a hugely exciting marketplace for us. I think the estimate of 50 billion um, is quite low. I, I think it will be more than that. And what that is, is, is very much a self-storage um, you know, which is the self-access um, walk-in model. Um, but there are many other aspects to storage, you know, there's removals and things like that. Um, the American market, I think, is nearly, f- it was 40, 41 billion already. Um, so I think the market is going to grow and I think it's going to grow um, quickly. We're in a really good place to be able to um, meet that. We're bringing the price down. We're about 50% cheaper than traditional storage. Um, and what we want to do is to follow more of the American model where it is a lifestyle business rather than an event-driven business. And I just talked about that briefly earlier. But the event-driven, people want to get it out as quickly as possible. The, the only reason why they're using it is something's happened in their life um, that they didn't really want to happen necessarily. Um, you know, um, but the lifestyle is that they use it as an extension of their home. And consequently, they'll be in there for for years rather than weeks or months. And we can produce that um, service for about 50% of what people are paying at the moment. So it does become very affordable. And we're already seeing our um, average length of stay going beyond what the industry average is already. So in our short time, which is just over two years, um, we've already made that mark. Um, so I think we're very well placed on a price point. And as far as a team's concerned, um, you know, having um, Nigel and Halim, who's our marketing director, both as co-founders of Easy Storage, um, really give us a strong team um, to be able to take this forward. And, you know, we really have got a, a great team um, to support us. Um, so we're, we're very excited. Tim. Can I just build on 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 that? Because one of the things that we're seeing as well is, you know, more and more houses are being built, and smaller and smaller they're getting. Um, and with with you know the new developments are coming along, there is less and less storage in these 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 properties, uh, and that's driving you know people to look for alternatives because we still have to put our stuff somewhere. I'm also seeing you know a lot of properties where perhaps the garage or the attic space would have been used for storage in the past being converted to more living space. So all these sort of trends towards you know how properties are built or occupied, uh, whether it's people looking to put offices into garages or utilize space in a different way, really starts to create opportunities for us as a business to you know to provide a solution. The key is to provide it in a convenient and affordable format that um, that, that suits customers. Yeah, so it sounds like it's just kind of a, a natural um, demand that you guys are going to be seeing as more and more people need storage. And it's great as well as a, a side to that, that you are, as you say, you know, offering such um, 
surprisingly low prices compared to what people are used to now. So it's just a no-brainer, really. Um, well, thank you very much, both of you, for your time and for, for chatting with me today. It's been really great hearing more about Easy Storage. It's not a brand that I was aware of necessarily where you are quite new. But um, yeah, it sounds like it's a really exciting um, adventure ahead for you guys. Thank you, Karen. Thank you. Thank you very much. I didn't realize quite how diverse and profitable the world of storage could be, but it sounds like Easy Storage is looking to open the industry to more entrepreneurs while keeping costs down on the consumer side. Targeting the US's lifestyle approach to storage versus the UK's more events business model is a clear way to differentiate the brand from competitors in the market and really sets Easy Storage apart as a front runner for investment. While the brand is still in its early years, there's clearly been a lot of groundwork done before launch to ensure that it remains as attractive and lucrative as possible, even in the face of a global pandemic. We'd be keen to hear your thoughts on this. How much preparation went into the launch of your brand and what kind of contingency was established in case challenges arose? Make sure to let us know. If you like the podcast, subscribe and recommend it to your friends and colleagues. Or even better, leave a review or a simple rating on Apple Podcasts or wherever you find your pods. To keep up to date with franchise news and have it put into context by the global franchise experts, subscribe to the magazine, hit us up at globalfranchisemagazine.com and follow us on Twitter, Facebook and LinkedIn today.